Team, good evening. Happy Thursday. Hope you're all absolutely fantastic. Uh, just before we get started, get stuck into uh, tonight's conversation, give me a quick pulse check to see where we're at this week. One to five, rate your week so far. One is terrible, five is I'm unbeatable. Give me a feel for where you're at just now. Scale of one to five, drop it in the comments, and then we'll get stuck into this evening's topic. This evening, team, we are talking about all things recovery, uh, going into a few nutritional and physical um, aspects of recovery, and a few considerations that are worth bearing in mind. A couple of questions, a couple of comments, a couple of things in feedback forms have come back from um, just understanding recovery a little bit better. So give me a feel for where we're at, team. Scale of one to five, how has your week been so far? One is awful, five is amazing. Jump on into comments, make sure I'm not talking to my wall. Been having multiple power cuts today, so if I go completely blank, um, it's because the light's turned off, because the power's turned off. I'm not sure what's going on. We have a Victorian house, apparently. Mr. Andrew Brown in the house. Kirsty, just back from Torridon. Tomorrow will be a recovery day. Fantastic. Uh, a rather wintry Torridon by the sounds and looks of it as well. Mr. Andrew Brown is a four. Fantastic. Good stuff. Team, this is awesome. Now then, folks, recovery. Four out of five for Mr. Or is that a four out of five? Or is that a four or five out of five, Mr. Tony? Claire, five. Cracking week. Awesome. Good. Right. We're on fire this evening, team, which is good. This is good. I want to talk about recovery. Now, recovery is one of those subjects that I think, A, gets overcomplicated on the likes of social media and bits and pieces and with all the devices and weird and wonderful witchcraft that we can get nowadays. But it's also something that's not talked about enough when it comes to the benefit that it has to our development. Now, the thing is, we need to be recovering as hard as we're training. Now, that needs to be actual recovery. All this active recovery and all that garbage is just making you do more and more work. Recovery is recovery. It is doing, in training, you're doing as much as possible to, elic to elicit the biggest and best uh, physical response and the stimulus as possible. And when you're recovering, you're doing as little as possible to elicit the best recovery, and rebuild and regrowth as, as best as possible. That's the whole point of recovery. The whole point. Now, recovery is a bit of a multifaceted approach because you need to have recovery of the body. You need to have recovery of um, through your dietary requirements. You need to have recovery of your mind. There are lots of things that you actually need to recover. Now, the thing is, when you go out on a, let's say we go on a long hill day, for example. You get out, you have an adventure on the hills. Um, the weather's battering you down. And it's an emotional day on the hill. The thing is, you're not just going to feel physically tired. You're not just going to feel tired from exertion from your lungs or exertion from your muscles. You're going to feel a bit mentally tired. You're going to feel, you're going to feel like you've gone through an experience. You're going to feel weathered. And the thing is, all of this is adding to your collective pot of fatigue. Now, a lot of folks, they just keep going, they just keep going, they just keep going. They get up in the morning, ah, oh, maybe they'll do some work. You go one of two ways. You're either going to keep overworking yourself until you grind yourself down to overtraining, Bearing in mind overtraining does take a long time to compound itself into place. Or you're going to go the other side and you'll be like, oh, I've done an event now, so that's it, done. Recovering. And your recovery takes a week, two weeks, three weeks, and then all of a sudden you don't do anything for a month and then you're starting from square one again. Because the thing is, we very seldom get recovery right. But there's all these different things that we can be doing to develop 
our recovery, to enhance our recovery. And there are a few things that I want to go through today. But before we get stuck in, team, jump into comments. Tell me what your go-to recovery strategies are. What works for you so far? Pop them in the comments and let's share just where we're at in terms of a knowledge base. It's going to give me a few cues to dive into this evening as well. And there's obviously a lag between uh, me talking and you hearing with Facebook. Thank you very much, internet. But just give me a feel for where our knowledge base is at just now. Jump on into comments. Let me know. If you're listening to this on the podcast, just have a think about it. What do you feel are recovery elements that you are doing, that you know of, that work for you? Get a feel for where our knowledge base is at just now. stuff team jump on into comments let me know alrighty team while you're typing away I'm gonna start diving into a few bits and pieces because there is a bit of a lag and I want to also encourage you to actually get involved. Get involved with these team because the more you get, the more you put into this process, the more you get out of it. Don't sit and be a passenger to certain things. To all these calls, don't just sit and be a passenger, otherwise there's no point turning up. Honestly, I'm going to say that now. Don't sit and be a passenger. Be prepared to do some work. Let's have a look. Protein levels go up. Light stretching, yoga, walks, 100%. Mr. Andrew Brown, stretching. Good. This is good. What else have we got, team? What other recovery aspects work for us going through, going forward? Let's understand where your knowledge base is at now and let's understand where we have to go to uh, in order to develop that. We've got five or six people in here. Two answers. Come on, team. Let's get one more and then we'll move on. It's interesting to see where our knowledge base is at at the moment so that we can understand where we're going to build from. Some of the things that we've got coming up in the comments at the moment are good. We can work on these. What else have we got, team? What else have we got? Come on. Don't sit there quietly in the background. Fingers out, tapping away. Let's see where we're at knowledge base-wise. Imagine this is us just on a one-to-one call. Let's keep it going, team. Come on, get involved. Okay, team, I'm going to move on. Please do get involved with this. I'm not talking to myself. I'm not talking to my wall. Let me know that people are here. This is the downside of online coaching. You have to get involved with things, folks. You've got to get involved with this. If you're going to sit and be a passenger, then listen to this on the podcast and otherwise don't waste both of our time. Get involved with these sort of things because this is where we're going to test and excel your knowledge and your understanding on this coaching journey. The more you get involved, the more you get out of it. If you don't want to get involved, that's cool then just move on. The thing is, as you go through this, what we're going to do is we're going to develop um, some of the aspects that we've jumped on already, but there's some things I want to dive into. And the first thing I want to dive into is some nutrition elements um, that we've got for our recovery. Because the thing is, there are numerous things that we can do in developing the nutrition side of our recovery. And the thing with the nutrition side is, I think a lot of people kind of hide behind Well, if I've done some fears, I can just eat whatever I want. 
clearly, I think the general consensus in this group is we know that that's not necessarily the case. You know, go for a hill day. We know we need to nourish ourselves and recover. We don't just want to dive straight into the Mackie D's or, you know, whatever it is. Ultimately, we want to be improving our recovery as best as possible. So there's certain things that we need to do. We've touched on it here already. Um, Claire's dived into the idea of um, protein levels go up. Well, why is that? Well, if protein is the building blocks of all of our muscles, then we need to increase and improve the overall content of protein post-exercise. That's going to enhance our recovery. That's going to enhance the repair, the regrowth of muscles, and the regeneration of strength and power after that. There's something called a muscle protein synthesis window that comes post-exercise stimulus. So, for example, let's say we have been out for a... Let's say we've gone there for a run. We've done a 5K time trial. We're going to see how fast we can go in 5K. Now, or let, no, let's go 10K. We'll go 10K a little bit longer. 10K time trial. We're going to see how fast we can go um, to cover 10K. And let's say we've done it in 45 minutes. Well, in that time, we're definitely going to have exerted ourselves. After we have ceased exercise and we have rested, then we're going to enter something called a muscle protein synthesis window. Muscles, we know what those are. Protein, we know that that is synthesis creation of new. So this is a period of time where the muscles are creating new protein. They also need protein in order to repair and regrow those um, muscles because they don't just make protein from thin air. It has to come from the diet. If it doesn't come from the diet, it kind of gets broken down the liver a little bit and some other bits and pieces happen, but it's far easier if we eat the protein, we make it hyper-available, the muscles can then use it as effectively as possible. Now, as you may have seen in some of the videos in Basecamp, as you may have seen from some of the things that we've had in our resources in some of our feedback forms, we don't need to worry too much about the timing of protein post-exercise because when we see these kind of you know, golden 10 minutes, platinum half an hour, all this sort of stuff. That is very much comes from a bodybuilding gym environment where they are trying to elicit maximum muscle growth in the shortest period of time. And they're also then going to go and train uh, for two or three hours again later on that day. So they need to be maximizing getting protein in ASAP. Now, ultimately, anywhere between zero and two and a half to three hours is where you want to be incre increasing your protein intake. Anything after that, you can kind of go back to your normal base levels throughout the day. But within that three-ish hour window, that's when muscle protein synthesis is at its peak. So we want to make sure that we are maximizing that particular stimulus. If you did that training session, that 45-minute session, and it did nothing for three hours, you've missed that muscle protein synthesis window. And therefore, the body has had to take protein from other places. And it will break it down. It will break other muscles down into protein constituents and use it. It becomes catabolic which is a bit like cannibalism. If you think catabolic sounds a bit like cannibalism, the body then starts to eat itself. It breaks itself down to then um, go into rebuilding that muscle. What we want to be doing is putting ourselves into net higher protein, which puts us into an anabolic state. If you think anabolic, anabolic steroids, building muscle. Anabolic means there's more protein available. We can build then from a surplus of protein. So that's the place you want to be. How much protein do we need? Well, ideally, you want to get a portion within that first three hours. You want to get a portion of 20 to 30 grams of protein. That could just be dinner or lunch or breakfast. It could be your normal meals or it could be a protein shake or it could be a normal whole food snack, for example. But trying to get that higher level of protein is vastly more significant and useful in this particular period.
Also, if you are on a plant-based diet, either majority plant-based, entirely plant-based, vegan diet, then you want to be making sure that your protein sources are coming from multiple different sources. For example, if you look on the back of a good vegan protein powder, you will have more than one protein source. It will say pea and rice, for example. It might say soy um, isolate and hemp protein, for example. You're mixing multiple sources. Because the thing with plant-based protein, imagine a brick wall. And every single brick in that wall is an amino acid. Every protein has, a complete protein, has 21 of those amino acids. So it's a wall with 21 bricks. Now, what that means is if you have any animal-based protein, you have a wall with no holes, no bricks are missing. Any plant-based protein on its own will have at least one brick missing, at least one amino acid deficient, making it an incomplete, quote-unquote, protein. What we need to do here is get another plant-based protein. Because if you get two walls, and some of them, one of them's got a gap over here and one of them's got a gap over here, and you bring those two walls together, you are highly likely going to be plugging all the gaps because those two protein sources are going to then make up for the other one's deficiency. So that's where we can get protein. We can tick that box. Happy days. Protein, very, very important for our recovery. That is the same for a sprint session, for a strength session, for a massive hill day, for a camping trip. Getting protein in, can't hammer it enough. I hammer the protein drum pretty hard as it is already. Now, there are other things that can help us with our recovery because recovery isn't just regrowth and repair. Recovery is just generally trying to feel better. Now, there are some really interesting things that we can use, certain ergogenic aids that we can use to just improve our overall recovery nutritionally. Now, certain things like magnesium, they're very good for improving our sleep. And that's kind of a second order effect of recovery. You know, magnesium and recovering from strength, the line isn't necessarily there. But if you think if magnesium is improving our sleep, uh, sorry, muscle growth, if, if magnesium is improving our sleep, it's then allowing our body to improve muscle growth and regeneration. Magnesium and muscle growth and regeneration, no particular link. But magnesium and sleep, and then sleep and muscle regrowth and regeneration is clearly there. So that's going to help us. Another thing that can help us with sleep is something a bit like this. This is a CBD, um, CBD supplement, particularly powerful one at 3,000 milligrams. Most common ones are 1,200 milligrams. And you take a little squirt of that put it in your mouth, it gets absorbed through the mouth. And what that essentially does is CBD helps lower something called your heart rate variability. Because another aspect, a physical aspect, we're going to come to in a minute, is looking at HRV, heart rate variability. That is basically the most reliable factor of your recovery that you can track. Nutritional aids, like CBD, for example, can help, help increase your heart rate variability the amount of milliseconds between heartbeats. The higher the number, the more recovered you are. The lower the number, the less recovered you are. And things like our watches and whoop bands and Aurea rings and all that sort of thing, they can track HRV um, pretty accurately, actually, to allow you to see how recovered you are. Because you can feel absolutely bullbags one morning, but actually your HRV and your body is good to go. It might just be that you're just a little bit in sleep debt and therefore, actually, your body's fighting fit to get the workout done. Whereas you probably think, oh my God, I'm so tired, I don't need to do anything. And it's interesting to see that difference because all it can take is to log on, look at your Whoop account and go, hmm, okay, actually, I could probably be all right here and I could get a workout done. I don't need to stay in bed. Whereas if you don't have that, you can be like, I'm staying in bed. 
regardless of being well or not. So CBD is good, magnesium, very, very good. When it comes to taking magnesium, for the general adult, 350 milligrams usually does it. You can get it in liquid form or you can get it in tablet form. Holland and Barrett, places like that are really, really going to help. Some supplement brands will do magnesium. I think like my protein, um, protein works, that sort of thing. They all do magnesium supplements. If you're getting around 350 milligrams, it's a good place to be. Now, another easy aspect of our recovery is quite simply hydration. Again, boring. Thanks, you know, thanks Ben. I'm glad you tuned in. The thing is, the more hydrated we are, the better we're going to sleep. The more hydrated we are, the better we're going to feel. The more hydrated we are, the more clear our skin's going to be. We're going to be, le- we're going to look less haggard. We're going to feel brighter. Brain is going to feel a bit more alive and awake. And you're going to have improved sleep. If all of those come into play, you're going to recover faster. So hydration. You know, you come back from that 45-minute 10K. Yeah, you might not have burnt through that much water. You might not have lost that much water. But you still want to be drinking a solid three litres that day. Because if you're aiming for two to three litres per day every day, and you're maintaining adequate hydration, yes, there's going to be some frequent peeing there, but eventually your body's going to adapt. Especially if you come from a point of just chronically not drinking. You have like maybe three or four cups of coffee a day and that's it. True story, there's a lot of people in that boat. You know, and then you go to drinking two or three litres, your body's going to be like, what are we doing? But eventually it will get used to it. Taking electrolytes, things like this, can really help with our recovery. All of these are aspects that we need to bear in mind. And finally, on the nutrition side of life, looking at things like creatine. Creatine's not necessarily for everybody because there are other side effects that can detract us from what it is that we're overall trying to achieve. But creatine, there's loads of stuff on Basecamp about creatine. I've done loads of things in um, feedback forms and stuff like that about creatine. There's tons of stuff about creatine. I'm not going to dive too much into it in this video. If you would like to know more, simply go on to Basecamp, go to the search bar, type in creatine, and you will have everything that you need to know about creatine there and supplements and everything else. All of these details will be in Basecamp. Uh, But creatine, the most, uh, sorry, the most researched supplement on the market. Fantastic. Tons and tons of benefits. The only downside is a little bit of weight gain. And I'm, I'm going to stress a little bit because you are having a little bit more water retention simply because your body is more efficient now at storing glycogen. Glycogen is the storage form of carbohydrates. For every gram of glycogen, you need three to four grams of water as storage. So if you imagine you're then storing another, let's say, 500 grams of glycogen, and then you're storing another two ish two and a bit kilos of water in in addition to that so that could be an extra three kilos of weight gain for example over a long term of using it the thing is you're going to look leaner you're going to feel better you're going to have higher performance at your workouts there's a lot of pros that definitely 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 outweigh that one con because like i've said to every single person here the number that's on the scales does not dictate your value what dictates your value is what you can do with your body how you feel about that and how that's then helping you progress forward. So nutritionally, there's a lot of different things that we can use for recovery. To summarize, protein, hydration, magnesium, CBD, creatine. Getting enough protein, drinking enough. The two simple things you can act right now. Getting some magnesium and some CBD. If you feel that, uh, if you're tracking your heart rate variability and you want to bring that up and improve that, definitely worth some CBD. Magnesium will do the same. Uh, Actually, quick note on magnesium. What you will find is when you first start taking magnesium, you might feel a little bit groggy in the morning. And that's simply because that's the effect that it has on the brain. Because it floods the brain, the brain, not the brain, the brain 
with more sleep-inducing hormones. It puts you into a deeper sleep, and then it makes um, it makes waking up just make feel a little bit more groggy. It's done and over within ten minutes. As soon as you're up, you're up. It's done. Get up, have a drink of water. You're good to go. It's not a long-lasting effect. It's just one of those slight side effects. Um, CBD. Sort of a similar side effect, but I find that it just gives me a much, much deeper sleep. And actually, when you crank yourself out of a deeper sleep, you can be a bit like, whoa, and have that bit of sleep inertia, and then you're good to go. Um, I'm a fan of creatine, makes water taste nice too. Yeah, 100%, sorry, yeah, absolutely. And in fact, Sarah, for the goals that you've got coming up, creatine's phenomenal. Take five grams a day, beast it, good. Um, Tony, is that the same with magnesium spray? Yes, 100%. Um, as long as it's around 350-ish milligrams, yeah, spray, tablet, drops, um, take a teaspoon of it if you're going to get it in oil, yeah, 100%, go nuts. So nutritionally, hydro, wrong, nutritionally, there are some recovery aids for you to dive into. Now, the physical stuff, the, fi the stuff that makes us feel like we're recovering. Now, we've got stretching, we've got yoga, we've got walks, we've got some other bits and pieces in the comments. A lot of this is true. Now then, I'm going to dispel a few things. Static stretching, you know, I finish my I finish my run, I'm going to stand on one foot, I'm going to pull my heel into my butt, I'm going to bring my knees together, and I'm going to stretch out my quads. Doesn't do anything. Whoa, Ben, what did you just say? Yeah, doesn't do anything. Why? Static stretching, <laughs> muscles are designed to sh contract and relax. Stress and relax. If you just hold them for a 30 second pull, they're just going to retract back to their own individual place again. If you are chronically doing static stretches like yoga poses, for example, and you're doing them for minutes on end, then you are going to impact the end range flexibility of that joint. But be careful here. We don't always want to be super pliable, loose elastic bands when we're trying to become runners and cyclists and bits and pieces. We want to have improved range of motion, not necessarily flexibility. And there's a big difference. Range of motion, I'm not gonna do an example because I'm standing up and that's not gonna end well for doing a squat. And range of motion is sitting in a deep squat comfortably on the floor for a minute. Range of motion is being able to bend down, touch your toes, without rounding your back over. Range of motion is being able to do a Romanian deadlift, send the hips back, don't bend the knees, and be able to get the hands nearly to the ground. Range of motion is being able to put your hands above your head without your back arching. So being able to bring your hands above your head in a straight line, bringing the belly button into the spine and not feeling any discomfort. Range of motion is being able to go flat against a wall with your arms and with your elbows and slide your hands all the way up to the sky, keeping your elbows against the wall, keeping your hands against the wall, coming all the way down to a W shape. Elbows against the wall, hands against the wall. That's range of motion. What range of motion does is it gives you a healthier range of motion, to use, use the same words again, through various movement patterns, like overhead presses, like running, like squatting, all these bits and pieces. Things that counter range of motion, is sitting down. A lot of us sit in this position all day, don't we? Kind of that sort of C-shaped human. You know, the back sticks out, we're typing away, we're texting away, we're eating away, we're doing whatever away, and we're in this hunched position. Range of motion is being able to improve your posture and comfortably sit upright with a straight back. 
range of motion is being able to improve that. Because what we can do there is we can add prehab into our rehab. Prehab is being able to sit in the bottom of a squat, get your arms above your head, opening up shoulders, opening up knees, hips, joints, everything like that, so that you are running, I'm going to use running in this sense, running more effectively. Rehab is after you've done the run, recovering from that by doing the same movement patterns. Now, the one thing that, say, static stretching where you're kind of holding your leg, the one thing that does do is it just helps you calm yourself down. A lot of people will finish a run, get in the car, go home. And they're kind of like, oh, I haven't really quite calmed down yet. But actually, just kind of taking some time, breathing deeper, doing a couple of stretches, helping you calm yourself down, calm your central nervous system down, especially some, after something hard like 8 by 800 meters lactic threshold intervals, for example. After doing something horribly hard, you can calm yourself down. What is better at that point is to run through a quick couple of um, range of motion, mobility, wads, things like that, which is why everybody in their, um, in their conditioning page, in the build page of their coaching strategies will have options for a yoga flow, a mobility flow, and a step stretching flow as well, just to help you open up your bodies a little bit more and open up your range of motion. Now, to bring that down into something a little bit more concise, we need to be doing range of motion post-exercise and also two to three, if not four times per week. The more you can do it, the better. And it doesn't need to take hours and hours and hours. This could be a five minute flow that you do twice a day. And what I'm gonna be putting into Basecamp over the coming weeks is a selection of different things that I think are gonna help each and every single one of you, just to go through a couple of guided flows, bits and pieces that are really going to help. And if you go into the recovery section of Basecamp, there are some links to some very useful places, YouTube videos and other bits and pieces that are gonna help you. So do go in there, type in the word recovery and have a look through all these things because that's what they're there for, folks. These are here to help. But range of motion is going to help. Because if you go for a run and you really stress yourself out and then you go and sit in the office and you're doing stuff and you're kind of hunching over and this, that and the other and you're not really moving, then guess what? Shoulders are going to start dropping. You're going to start arching your back. Your neck's going to feel heavy. You're going to twinge something. And this is just kind of increasing your risk of twinging, injuries, that sort of thing, trapping nerves, all that sort of good stuff. So stretching, yeah, but understand the difference between stretching and range of motion mobility. If you want some resources on stretching and mobility, this is probably the best selling book on the market when it comes to mobility. It's pretty in depth for those on the podcast. There's a book called Becoming a Supple Leopard by Kelly Sturett. Kelly Sturett's the leading voice pretty much in Mobility, flexibility, rehab, prehab. And this is absolutely fantastic. I've just opened it on the burpee page, so that's going to make sure that nobody buys this book. But actually, when it comes to looking at some weird and wonderful ways of recovery, this is the book. It's brilliant. Now, they had the Ready State app, which I'm pretty sure has now actually just been re... I'm pretty sure it's been renamed because they are now under... I think they're under, like, Body Ready. I think they've rebranded. Um, but Kelly Sturette. That's the person to follow. When it comes to rehab, recovery, things like that, absolutely phenomenal. You've also got things like uh, Mobility Wad, that's good. That's a bit more CrossFit-y, um, kind of looking specifically for CrossFit range of motion. Um, but again, Ready State app. Um, I'm just going to check now, actually, to see if, that's, um, see if that's changed names. But it was the Ready State Built to Move, that's what they've changed it to. Built to Move is what they've changed it to. Um, they've got the new book out and they've basically created this whole online virtual mobility coach 
which just helps you through everything. You can go, this bit hurts on my body and it will give you things to do to fix that particular part. Phenomenal, phenomenal thing to have in your back pocket. I totally recommend people buying the premium version of that. Very, very good place to be. Um, so things like that can really, really help. Rolling, things like that, using foam rollers. So foam rollers can range from smooth things like that to fairly aggressive rumble rollers like that. Um, it's a particular kind of masochism to use things like that, but it does really, really work. When you're using foam rollers, I've got a box of pain. This is my box of pain. There are certain things we can use. You've got roll sticks like this, where you can roll over the muscles. So for example, so if I can get my leg on camera, you can then roll going up and down the muscle and getting across, and it can help you get to places that are a little bit more difficult to get to. I find things like this, just having something this long, for example, is really good for improving stretches so you can grab it behind you, pull it down and it's improving the stretch um, into shoulders, and into the arms, bits and pieces like that. In addition to rollers, having things like the cross balls, having peanuts like this, this has got a peanuts, two lacrosse balls basically glued together. There's a single lacrosse ball. Um, if you want a cheap version and you don't want to fork out what can be 20 quid for a bloody rubber ball, go to Pets at Home and get one of those. That is a spiky dog toy and it cost me 99p from Pets at Home. Totally worth it. At the same time, get a pack of dog tennis balls. Don't know the squeaky ones. I'm not showing that. My dog's down there. Other ones, cricket balls, baseballs, that sort of thing. Hard round things ultimately can really, 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 really help. Really help. Because these are the things that get into all the nuts, nooks and crannies and all the tiny bits. Um, Sarah Howard the other day was sort of complaining about having a knot, a trapped knot in her calf, things like that. Dig it in there. Really, really helps. If you do that, in line with having that book or the Ready State app, you're bomb proof. That is how they work. Go into Basecamp, it will show you how to use rollers and other bits and pieces as well. There's a ton of resources in there. Now, those are kind of the solid recommendations. There were a few other things I wanted to go into today. But ultimately, you want to be looking at doing some mobility and range of motion. You want to do some rolling and rehab. Even if it's just a bit of self-massage, just digging your thumb into the top of your quad, for example. Um, there's an absolute cracker of an exercise which will pretty much help every single person here whether you're a cyclist a runner a walker or just a normal person you know how we drive imagine these are kneecaps right and these are my thighs here right i don't have lower limbs but imagine they're your kneecaps when you're driving what do your legs do they fall out to the side don't they as they fall out to the side the knees sort of bending inwards a little bit anyone else find that really really uncomfortable well, what that's doing, especially post-run, I'm kind of thinking of you, Tony, in this sense. When you drive out somewhere, you go for a run, you drive home. I know this because I've been here and it's horrible. When you get to the point of having really tight legs, tight quads, the last thing you want to do is just sit and let the legs just kind of flop open and sit there. Because that's not helping anybody. They're in a suboptimal position and therefore they are not resetting because they don't just set. But they're, they're trying to recover in a suboptimal position. Now then, what we can do here is we can get, I'm gonna try this, I'm gonna see if this will work. I don't think it will. So, no, it's not gonna work. I was gonna try and stand on my stool. What you can do is if you imagine now, I'm assuming you're all sat down or stood up. I want you to take your arms, uh, take your hands, I want you to feel your upper leg, so your thigh, right? I want you to fully extend your leg and squeeze the muscle as hard as you can. I want you to run your hands down from the top of your thigh down towards the kneecap. 
Now then, if you push, if you squeeze your leg really, really hard, you're going to feel the muscles kind of doing that shape. You're going to have a longer bit and a shorter bit. And you're going to feel an indent. You're going to feel where the longer bit of muscle goes down a little bit more, usually on the inside of the leg. Everyone feel that? If you can feel that position, that tight muscle, the bit that's bulging out by the kneecap on the inside of the leg, that's called a vastus medius oblique. And what that is, is a VMO. What you can do there is massage that. Because that's one of the tight muscles that are going to be affected by your knees just falling open when you've come up for a run and you're not really doing anything to recover. Simple thing you can do, sit on the sofa. I want you to get your thumb, I want you to hold on to the, to the, to the thigh just above where the VMO is, so just above the kneecap, and I want you to dig your thumb into the fleshy, meaty bit, that teardrop bit of muscle, and I want you to go across the grain towards the kneecap, and then bring the thumb off the leg, go to the, right into the inside of the leg, dig it in deep, and then squeeze it across towards the kneecap again. And because you're constantly doing that motion, what you're doing is you're going across the grain of the muscle, and you're really, really like loosening out that really tight bit of the VMO. Now, from there, because you've got four quads, quad, four, four of your quads, the VMO then goes deep inside all the rest of the quads and gets overtaken by other stuff. The VMO actually goes all the way up into your hip flexor. We think hip flexor as a tiny muscle, but the hip flexor is actually part of the entire quad system. So the VMO kind of disappears inside the muscles a wee bit, and you can kind of feel it if you squeeze your leg really, really hard and you follow with your fingers up the VMO, you can kind of feel where it kind of disappears and goes under the, the, the main sticky-outy bit of the... Uh, of the quad at the front but again just massaging across that really really helps and that's just something simple we can do you know at home sat on the sofa watching tv you know getting a nice massage cream like a recovery massage cream even a tiger balm cream can really really help there are some products i've actually reviewed some of them before for their development team some cbd cream as much as the transdermal effect of cbd is definitely not 100 percent proven in science some of these things make a really, really good massage cream. And again, if it's a placebo but it works, it's not a placebo, is it? So getting a good massage cream can really, really help because you're just giving yourself a bit of self-love. If ever you're going to do self-massage of a longer muscle, so for example, if you're going to look at the entire quad, always massage from the bottom up to the top. Bottom up to the top. Never start massaging from the top down. Because your lymphatic system, which is basically a sewage system of your entire body, it doesn't have any pump systems around it. All it does is it circulates fluid, lymphatic fluid, through muscular contraction. Whereas arteries have power behind it, veins have, um, oh, I can't think of the word, valves behind it. The lymphatic system has none of that, and it just relies on muscular movement. So if we are massaging from the, from the top down, all we're doing is we're pushing all of that waste fluid or that sewage system, if you like, down to the bottom of an appendage, like a foot, for example, where clearly it's not going to go anywhere. So always massage from the bottom up because then you're helping circulate all that lymphatic fluid out from where we don't want it into where it's going to get recycled in lymph nodes and in the rest of the body. Good to go. Does that make sense? Right. That was a solid bit of 30 minutes of me. So... Does that make sense? Do we have any questions so far? There's a couple of other bits I want to go into. In fact, two other areas I want to go into, but just give me a feel for where we're at just now. How does that sit with you folks? Does that make sense?
Right, I'm gonna leave it there because there's a lag. The next thing I wanna dive into, these things. These are massage guns. Now, you used to think when they came out that these were a little bit faddy, but actually these are quite useful. But how do you use it? Well, the whole point of these is you're gonna turn it on and you've got more power that you can drive through and make it more powerful, as you can hear, right? So, the whole point of these is you can then use them, put them onto muscles, you can go across the chest, anywhere. Anywhere that's big and fleshy. Don't do it over bony things because it really bloody hurts and it will start bouncing everywhere. But these things are percussion guns. They don't have, you don't have to get a Theragun. Theraguns are a little overpriced in my opinion. There are some really cool cheaper versions on the market which do exactly the same thing. Now ultimately, what these do is they are looking at helping undo adhesions in the muscle. Now a knot in a muscle, anyone have a muscle knot before and it's never gone anywhere and it's just stuck there and it's really painful? Started out as an adhesion. Now if you imagine, muscles do something called stick and grab, like Velcro. If you imagine muscle cells and muscle fibres like Velcro, when you stick Velcro down and it sticks, same thing. If these are muscle fibres, as you are working them and they are contracting and they're doing things, in order to create force, so for in order to me to, to tense my bicep and hold that, or to pull against, have something pull against it and me hold, all that muscle's doing is it's contracting and sticking and grabbing, and it's holding. Now, a muscle knot is when one of those little adhesions doesn't let go. And eventually it can kind of inflame, it can have other adhesions around it, and then it creates a little knot. The knot is the hard thing to undo. Getting something like this can help just undo some of those adhesions. You can use them to prime your muscles before using ex before exercise. You can help that you can use them to energize them during exercise. Kind of more gym-based CrossFit style stuff for that. But post-exercise, just having a couple of minutes to just go around the body, spending 30 seconds or so on certain sore areas can really, really help. For example, if you've done a upper body session and you've beasted shoulders and back and things like that, and you're starting to feel just a bit tight, you'll feel a bit of a pull in the shoulders. Lay face down, just get someone to drill into your back with one of those is really good. The benefit of having like a triangular handle like this, for example, means you can grab it and do your own back and kind of get into all the little nooks and crannies as you see fit, which is good. These are, they're a higher level of recovery. Do you need them? Not really. Are they useful? Yes. If you can afford them, great. If the budget is there, brilliant. If you want to dive into the weeds of, of optimal recovery, yeah, fantastic. They are good. Um, what are your opinion on those acu uh, acupressure mats? Yes, they're called, what are they called now? They're not like Reiki mats. What are they called? No, can't remember. I did have a go on one of those. I can't stand on them. Uh, I've tried laying on them, and yes, they're good because what they're doing there is they're stimulating circulation. That's the whole point of them. Um, you, you will see them advertised on Facebook. And actually, this is a challenge. Now that everybody's heard us talking about it and they're in a comment, I'd love to know um, if you start getting adverts for them because it's just creepy how how the internet works like that. But yes, um, I can't remember how what they're called. But yes, when you get um, mats like that. They can help, they do promote um, circulation. Is it a solution? Not really. Does it help? Is it yet another level to your recovery acumen? Then yes, it is. But going back to the originals, it's just looking at those basics. Range of motion and mobility is your number one go-to. And then looking at 
a bit of stretching and a bit of other recovery bits and pieces, you know, looking at rolling and other things. In terms of your hierarchy of priorities, those things, these things, they're at the top. At the base, that's your mobility and flexibility, understanding your range of motion. After that, you're looking at trigger point rolling and doing your own sort of self-massage, becoming your own sports therapist. After that, you're then looking at maybe theraguns, uh, looking at spiky mats, other, other bits and pieces like that. As part of this kind of tip of the wedge, what you can also look at is compression garments as well. Now, compression garments, I definitely think are overused. Definitely think are overused. They do help. They do work. They do promote better recovery, better um, circulation. They do help in the uh, recycling of lymphatic fluids. They help drain areas of the body and then repump them with fresh uh, oxygen-rich blood. You can also get like compression sleeves and things for your calves, your arms, all that sort of stuff. I do think they are a bit overused, but let's talk about what they're actually used for. Now, there are some studies out there that show the effects of compression tights on certain uh, recoveries from certain exercises. So, for example, you have more eccentric exercises, which is putting the body under stress. You have a tight muscle that you are then extending under force. For example, that could be a squat and you're going down really slow squat for example so your legs are tight and you're slowly pulling them and extending that muscle the eccentric phase of a pull up for example which is pull up and then slowly lowering down you're taking those muscles they are super tight and then you are pulling them apart eccentric work like that is fantastic for muscle growth but definitely not something you want to be doing more than once a week because it destroys muscles so much you have you'll get so much doms after that you have to recover very well after these. Now, some of the research suggests that compression tights, compression garments like that are good for recovering from eccentric workouts. So things like having a pretty solid, hard hill run, getting some compression tights on, they're gonna help with your recovery. Doing a solid workout session in the gym where you're lifting incredibly heavy, maybe you're having more time under tension, perhaps it's a squat where you're going three seconds down, three seconds up, for example, you know, having some compression shorts on after exercise can help recovery. But again, this is looking at the tip of the wedge. We need to remember what the base of that wedge is first and foremost. Cool. Any questions so far, team? Any other questions? Because I'm kind of at the end of my list of recovery things. I could definitely rabbit on about a few things. I'm just kind of looking at any other stuff that I've got in my box of pain. But I've pretty much covered everything that I would certainly recommend people at least entertain the idea of using and start understanding. But ultimately, remembering that there is a hierarchy of needs here. If we look at Maslow's hierarchy of recovery, for example, then what we need to do is we need to make sure that we are first and foremost resting up. We're getting that mobility. We're getting that range of motion. Dialing in some of the nutrition side of life for our recovery. But also, sleeping. You want to sleep and do nothing to recover. You, you do. You, you want to just chill. If you just come back from a hard session or a hard race or a hard event, take the next day, get out for some gentle movement, go for a walk, go for an easy jog, and get your compression tights on. Sit, eat some high-protein, high-variety foods, drink tons of water, and watch some Netflix. Perfect recovery. Do that for two or three days and then start ramping up the volume again so that you're bringing yourself back up to a training stimulus. The more you can do that, perfect. Medical grade compression tights. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, I think there are some... I think the Skins Recovery compression tights, they're pretty good. Um, I've got another brand of... 
calf compression tights. I can't quite remember what the brand is actually off the top of my head. Uh, but they're very good. I tend to just get them a size too small. Um, and if you don't tumble dry them so that they don't stretch out, then getting a size too small actually really, really helps just keep everything nice and tight, keeps the calves nice and tight, helps them recover a little quicker. But again, tip of the wedge thinking. Ultimately, first and foremost, you want to open up recovery. You want to get them moving. Um, oh, another thing we can go into actually, just to round this call off with recovery, is ice water. Um, what about jumping into an ice bath? What about cold water? What about filling your bathtub full of ice cubes? You, you can do that. Let's look at what that does. So when you go into ice water, I've got a wheelie bin outside. It's not particularly cold. It's not actually very cold at the moment. But if I was to fill that full of ice and jump into it, what does my body do? Well, let's say I went up to my waist. My legs are going to drain of, of hot blood. It's going to leave. It's going to come to other places and protect it. All the blood's going to come back to the chest and protect vital organs. When I get out of that ice bath, let's say I'm in there for three minutes. When I get out of that ice bath, my legs are going to be rosy pink and I'm going to get flooded with hot, fresh blood. What that's going to do is take any waste products, any lymph, any waste products from the lymphatic system, uh, any breakdown of um, lactate, lactic acid from the muscles, flush it all out and chuck it down the toilet, get it out of the body. It's going to put it into its waste system. It's going to help that body recover. You're also going to feel pretty alive after you've come out of an ice bath. You're going to feel pretty limber, which is nice as soon as you've got the blood back in. And it's going to help take away some of the pain from DOMS, delayed onset muscle soreness. It can help. Does it need to happen straight after every single workout? No. And here's why. Because when you look at ice water submersion, when you're looking at ice water therapy, straight after an exercise, what it can do is it can blunt some of the positive responses of training. You are training specifically to put yourself under stress and recover positively from it. It's a bit like taking um, beetroot and tart cherry juice and things like that. You know, they're fantastic. These things are fantastic to use in like competition periods or periods where you're going into really hard amounts of training. But doing it after every single one can dilute the potency of that particular training stimulus. It's, it's weird. It's a bit like a, a... I can't think of the term now. No, it's gone. It's a bit of a double-edged sword, really, because you don't necessarily want to have perfect recovery all the time. Otherwise, you would literally be doing some range of motion in your compression tights, then doing some rolling, then jumping into an ice bath, then doing a bit of light exercise, then having a hot shower, then jumping into the sauna and doing all these things, which clearly you don't have time to do after every single session. So we need to prioritize things. Again, look at range of motion, do some low-level activity, look at building your overall... Um, flexibility in joints. After that, you're then looking at rolling, a bit of trigger point massage, you're looking at all the nutrition interventions, you're obviously prioritizing sleep and hydration. Then we're looking at things like roll, uh, sorry, um, theraguns, we're looking at things like compression, we're looking at things like saunas, all that sort of good stuff. But it's understanding what that hierarchy is and prioritizing what is important first and foremost. If you nail recovery through your mobility and range of motion, if you nail recovery through your sleep and nutrition, if you can nail recovery in terms of just doing some low level activity and then slowly building up, 99.9% .9 of the time you're going to be absolutely gravy. For the 1.1% of the time after that, then we can start to look at other bits and pieces. If you've got time, brilliant, get a massage stick. If you've got time, brilliant, do some uh, percussion therapy. If you've got time, brilliant, jump in an ice bath every now and then. You know, you're going to feel fantastic after. These are ways that we can build in our recovery because we don't need to have textbook recovery after every single session. Otherwise, you're never going to get anything else done in your life. So I hope that makes sense. I hope that kind of dispels a few um, mobility, sorry, recovery related issues and questions that people might have.
But also, you get home from a big hill day, of course you're going to be tired. You have to recover. You're not going to get home from a hill day and be absolutely singing and, rap singing and dancing all good to go. Your body is naturally going to feel tired. Doing that, working your way up that hierarchy of priorities, then what you're doing is you're setting yourself up for maximum success. Does that make sense, team? I hope that makes sense. Um, right, I understand there's obviously a bit of a lag between... Um, me talking, you listening, but if there are any questions, do put them in now, and we'll stay on this channel for another 25 seconds. After that, we will close off the chat, unless there are any other questions coming in. Speak now, forever hold your peace. We've got another 15 seconds. Don't think we've got any more. Awesome. Any other questions, team? Hit me up in hyper support, but thank you so very much for your attention this evening. I hope this has helped. Hope you've got away some uh, useful bits of information to put into your recovery um, artillery box, as it were. Enjoy the rest of your evenings, team, and I'll speak soon. Peace.